Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, Gesundheit. Becca brings the case against their wife, Bridget. Becca says that Bridget has terrible sneezes and would like her to tone it down. Bridget says this is just how she sneezes, and Becca should let her sneeze in peace. Who's right? Who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and presents an obscure cultural reference. If Atlas can shrug and Telemachus can sneeze, why can't John Hodgman judge? Bailiff Jesse Thorne, please swear them in. Becca, Bridget, please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that his own sneezes are tuned and in fact play La Cucaracha, not unlike the novelty car horns in my neighborhood growing up? I do. I do. Very well, Judge Hodgman. You may be seated for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors. Can either of you, Becca or Bridget, name the the source of the quote that I paraphrased? I did change the last thing. I'll give you the, since it's so short, I'll give you the actual quote. Maybe that'll help you. If Atlas can shrug and Telemachus can sneeze, why can't Satan repent? Can either of you name the source of that quote? Bridget, let's start with you. Um, I'm going to guess the 1930s pulp uh, novel character and teledrama character, The Shadow, and their catchphrase. Well, The Shadow's catchphrase is, who who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The Shadow knows. Yeah, that's what I got. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Those are different words, right? Yes. (laughs) I'm not having aphasia or something, right? Okay. All right, we'll, we'll enter that in the book. The, the Shadow's catchphrase. Maybe the Shadow, the character, had a catchphrase. That's more of the introduction to the Shadow. But anyway, that's neither here nor there, as the Shadow sometimes was. Becca, let's uh, let's hear a guess from you. Good one, John. And thanks. I'm, I'm a dad. <laughs> Apparently you're a granddad. I'm leaning into it. <laughs> Got any Fibber McGee and Molly material you want to run by us? I was always more of a Green Hornet person than the Shadow, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Midnight I enjoyed. Tales calculated to keep you in suspense. Look, we've all ordered cassette tapes out of the wireless catalog. Uh, <laughs> you know, my heart skipped a beat when you said the wireless catalog. Is that still a thing? <laughs> I don't know. It might still be. Boy, oh boy. Well, Becca, do you have any old-timey radio uh, shows that you want to guess? <laughs> On a Country Road starring Cary Grant? <laughs> Um, I think I'm going to say uh, Orlando, a biography by Virginia Woolf. Oh, interesting. So all guesses are wrong. Um, but that's an interesting guess because this is a, from a novel. And it's from a kind of phantasmagoric, wild novel, not unlike Orlando to some degree, you know, time traveling and so forth. This is from the Illuminatus trilogy by Robert Shea and Robert Anton Wilson in reference specifically to a novel within the novel called Telemachus Sneezed, which itself was a joke on Atlas Shrugged, a real novel, but in fact, it was also referencing the Odyssey, because in the Odyssey, okay, uh, the the famous uh, Grecian poem, uh, or poem, as my father-in-law says, Penelope is hoping that Odysseus comes back so that all these suitors that are are trying to, to get her to marry them uh, will be sent out of her house 
because they all believe that Odysseus is dead. And she says, maybe when Odysseus comes back, I'll have my revenge upon these suitors. And Telemachus sneezes in the poem at this moment. And Penelope laughs. And she says, did you not see how my son sneezed as I finished then? So death for the suitors may still not be unachieved. And the reason that she enjoyed the fact that this sneeze happened was because sneezing in the ancient world uh, was considered to be a divine omen, a message from the God, because it was something that you could not control. It was not a, um, uh, an action that you could force to happen. And so it was often interpreted as a, an omen of good fortune being sent to you uh, by one of the Olympic gods. So it was not God bless you when you sneeze so much as to say God has blessed you or whatever. I'm not sure if either of you believe in the Olympian gods, if you're part of the Battlestar Galactica religion or whatever. So it may be, Becca, that even though you bring Bridget to this court to complain about her sneeze, it, it may be that your wife is being touched by divine power. Did you think Could about be. that? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think about it till I read that Wikipedia page earlier. <laughs> I didn't know anything about that. Some guy's blog, Bryce C. Jones, told me all about that Telemachus sneezing thing. A scholar of ancient history and a papyrologist. He studies papyrus. I hope he's not a horrible person. I don't think he would be because he's, <laughs> he's a papyrologist, but uh, he definitely knows his sneezing history. So here we are. Becca and Bridget, I have here some background information on you. You both live in New Jersey. Uh, you've been married just over a year. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Becca, you work at Sesame Workshop? I do. Fant oh, I, I thought <laughs> that normally that would be a job that you, someone would be happy to. <laughs> it really sounds like you I work. Am, I'm very happy. Oh, okay. You really, you really sounded like you, you were working in the puppet mines. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what it's like to work with teeny little super guy. <laughs> What do you do there at Sesame Workshop? I work in education research. Oh, they do a lot of that. Yeah. So what does that entail? Actually, like you have focus groups of kids or teachers or what do you do? It's kind of like focus groups with kids. I'm, I mostly am working with kids, but there are other people in my department who work with grownups. Um, we just kind of go into classrooms and we'll show kids, you know, episodes of the show or sometimes a game if that's what's being developed Yeah. and see if they're learning the things that we want them to be learning from it. Right. You also teach religious education at your Unitarian church. I do. So uh, this is a personal question, but uh, how would you describe the contours of your faith? Do you believe that God makes us sneeze? <laughs> no, not specifically. <laughs> okay. Do you believe that a sneeze is our soul exiting our body? <laughs> um, no. Well, thank you for the work that you do. Bridget, I have here that you're going to school to study hospitality which is awesome. Yes. And there are two items here. You like to play Dungeons and Dragons, which is also awesome, but, you know, uh, multi-sided die are the devil's playthings. We all learned that growing up. Not for Unitarians. <laughs> yeah. Not for Unitarians are, are cool with the devil. Awesome. <laughs> Hail Satan. Why can't <laughs> Satan repent? And you recently have begun making mead as a hobby, which is also yes. awesome. Now, mead... Correct me if I'm wrong here. Mead is a fermented honey yes. solution, right? I, that's wrong. Tell me what it really is. Yeah. So it's basically you create what is referred to as a musk um, of like honey and water and whatever like spices or flavorings or fruit you want to put in there. Yeah. Then you add yeast um, as like as like someone getting into home brewing. Um, it's 
pretty easy compared to a lot of other options. So that's kind of why I picked it up versus like trying to make my own beer or wine, which would require a lot more equipment. You know, there's not a lot of air circulation in this studio, and I'm really creating a yeasty musk right now. <laughs> Is it a musk or a must? I think it's a must now that you say now that you clarify that, but I honestly uh, don't remember. It might be a musk. <laughs> a must. It's a must. Sorry. It's a must. It's a very musty in your studio. And musky. Uh, what happens? So what happens? And the yeast goes into the honey and, sh- and water solution with all the flavorings, and it eats all the sugar in that honey, and then the the yeast poops out alcohol, and that's called fermentation. Yep. And you're doing that in your house in New Jersey, living a, a home. Yeah, we have a condo. Oh, you have a condominium. Yeah, I hear a lot of those new condominiums are building. A lot of the units come with a mead parlor for fermenting. <laughs> no, they're just in a. Kind of, they're in the shoe closet, like on the top shelf. Oh, that's fine. Then you can always blame the mead for your stinky shoes. Yeah, it's a win-win. And finally, it says here you have four cats. But I noticed, I looked through the evidence, you did not send any pictures of your cats. Well, I was afraid that that would be perceived as pandering. I appreciate that very much. And the court honors your restraint. But we need to have these cats available for our Instagram page, okay? Yes, we'll send you pictures. Yeah, send them in for the Instagram. We'll put them up on the show page on MaximumFun.org and also on our Instagram. Judge John Hodgman, and for the record, let us enter into the record that your cats are named. Echo Elizabeth Josephine Taylor, Minerva Andromeda McGonagall, Severus Phoenix Elliot, and Calliope Knox Marigold, who is a tortie. They all sound very adorable. They all sound like characters in a young adult fantasy novel. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah. Is that a coincidence? Um. Well, Echo, she was. She's the oldest. Um. She's named after um a passage in the book House of Leaves by Mark Danieluski. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say. I was gonna guess that she was named after the famous dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or possibly the famous bunnyman. Once we had that, we kind of got this Greek Roman sub theme going. So then everything else had to follow. So. And honestly, Bridget, whose cats are these? Do you share them equally or do they like one of you more than the other? Or do they split up? Um, They kind of split up. Echo, I had, I've had Echo since before Becca and I started dating. So. Yeah. Oh, so Echo's um, really She's yours. definitely, yeah, she's, she's mine and I'm definitely her favorite and she's kind of the queen. So. Excellent. And then uh, Minerva likes Becca a lot more. Well, we have this wonderful household or condo hold. Uh, full of mead and love and cats and religious instruction and decency and education (laughs) research, but it is divided by this sneeze. So let's get to it. We're going to hear the sneeze because we do have a recording of it in evidence. But let's preface this by asking, Becca, why does it bother you? Because it's so loud. Mm -hmm. I, I am not convinced that this recording will even do it justice. Oh, no? It really? disrupts everything. It is attention-seeking behavior. Oh, okay. So that is that is a real accusation. <laughs> <laughs> that is a real accusation right there. Are you suggesting that the sneeze is faked to get attention? I mean, I think that she genuinely sneezes, but I think it is more of a production than necessary. <laughs> I guess we need to hear this thing, right? So we can have a real conversation about it. I was going to save the evidence till a little later on, but we have to hear it. So first, let's go to the evidence. 
you sent in a couple of affidavits. I'm going to read this first one sent in by Becca from your friend Brit, who has heard Bridget sneeze and finds it unacceptable. I, Brit of New York, swear that I have known Becca for 10 entire years and considered them a very best friend. I've known Bridget for about four, have witnessed the development of their relationship over time and a frequent guest at this couple's condo hold and enjoy their hospitality and cats. On one occasion, Becca and I were watching a true crime documentary in their living room. Bridget was in the kitchen cooking some sort of meal. What followed was an absolutely unacceptable eruption of sound, jolting me from my chair and resulting in me missing important details about the murder case. It was a, quote, sneeze, unquote, produced by the defendant, and it was rude and unnecessary. Becca and I were both shaken. We had to rewind the documentary to catch what we missed. An action such as this must be punished, in my opinion. Wow. Strong words. Strong words. So before we listen to the tape, uh, Bridget, do you remember this particular instance of sneezing? Um, yes, only because afterwards they both yelled at me. What did they say? <laughs> it was just like, uh-uh. It was like, no. <laughs> Do you agree that your sneezing is super loud? Um, I like, it's not quiet, but it's also like just my sneeze. So I'm like, I can appreciate well, the desire to not have me sneeze like that in public, but I feel like in my own home, that's something that I guess I should just have to deal with. Well, you're suggesting that you have a power over how you sneeze? A little. It's not like, I don't think it's impossible for me to attempt to, in good faith, sneeze quietly. Look, I appreciate your, your honesty and that you are, you are under oath, fake oath here, because truthfully, you could have said, it's my sneeze and I can't change it. And I was going to have to rule in your favor. But you have now acknowledged that you can <laughs> dial it back, that there is an option. Yeah, but it's like, that's just how I've learned to sneeze. So that's just my default. But this, you're, you're speaking against yourself. You're not advocating on your own behalf by acknowledging that you could probably retrain your sneeze. Yeah, but I don't want to be accused of mischaracterizing. Yeah, well, I, look, I appreciate your honesty. Uh, you didn't pander. You didn't send in pictures of cats. You take the fake oath seriously. You're winning the ethical contest, but you might not win the judgment based on what I'm about to hear. But as this will be somewhat embarrassing, I have not heard this. I want to react to this in real time. <laughs> And because this might be embarrassing to you, Bridget, I need to enforce fairness and embarrass Becca. Becca, before we hear this thing, please do an imitation of Bridget's sneeze as best you can. Ooh. Okay, it's something like this. Achoo! Yeah, it's a classic sneeze. John, can I do an imitation of what I was imagining the sneeze might sound like? Sure. <laughs> Deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs> it's just I kind of got carried away, so it got into my head. And... That would be a sneeze that I would have to rule against. That would seem to me <laughs> to be unnatural and an affectation. And certainly, even if not an affectation, maybe something you would want to see a neurologist about. <laughs> All right. We've delayed long enough. I've heard your impersonation of the sneeze, Becca. I've heard Jesse Thorne's impersonation of the sneeze. Super producer Jennifer Marmer, can I hear the sneeze, please? Yes! <laughs> that was an honest reaction. <laughs> What'd you do, roll tape and wave some black pepper under her nose? Yeah, how did you capture the sneeze? I was told it needed to be ethically sourced, but... We, we did force a sneeze. 
We were we were in on it together. Right. Bridget consented to this is for the interest of science and, and law. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Bridget, for contributing to justice. <laughs> how but was it black pepper? What happened? I think I started by just like I decided to cook something really spicy for dinner. Yeah. And then that didn't work. So I think I actually ended up having to use red pepper. Oh, thank you for going through that. I appreciate it. Let's take a quick break and hear about another wonderful show provided to your ears by MaximumFun.org. We'll be back in just a second on Judge John Hodgman. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Court is back in session. Let's return to the courtroom to hear more of the case. May I hear the tape again, please? And can you make it louder? Yes! <laughs> That was an honest reaction to say it. I, I flinched again. <laughs> that was an honest reaction. I wanted to hear it louder just to make sure I was hearing everything, and it kind of scared me. It really did. It was reflexive, just like, geez, I'm trying to think of some bodily function that's not Invo premeditated. Involuntary, kind of hard yeah. to control. Oh, like when, when your foot kicks after they hit your knee with that little hammer. Yeah, exactly. Or when you laugh or scream. Um all of those involuntary things that are really beyond people's control and are not stylized in any way. You don't practice your sneeze like you practice your signature when you're 13 years old. <sighs> I really came up with a great signature when I was 13 years old. I still use it. But I'm going to say something, Bridget. That sneeze is hard. That's, that's a hard sneeze. It's very sharp. It's a sharp sound. Becca, why does it bother you? I mean, part of it is because, like you said, it's startling. Yeah. And every time it is exactly that startling. Yeah. Um, but also it bothers me in particular because when I have brought it up to her that this sneeze is unacceptable, she insists that she doesn't want to have a man sneeze. So she's attempting to feminize her sneeze in some kind of way. And I, I don't find that acceptable. Well, that's really interesting because I know uh, from these show notes, uh, Bridget, that you're a, a trans woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you acknowledge that you are trying to feminize your your sneeze, as it were? Um, I mean, I think that there's definitely truth to that. Okay. I mean, like, 
But I also don't think that it's rational. I think it's just like how I feel about it. Did you make a choice at some point? Like, I don't like, I don't like the, the way I sneeze. That's my old life. I got to come up with a new sneeze. I mean, like even before I like realized I was trans or anything, I really like hated the feeling of like a sneeze in my throat. You'd have this very like frog in your throat feel. Mm-hmm. And I found mm-hmm. that like a more quote unquote dainty sneeze kind of alleviated that feeling. So it's kind of something that I've had with me even since I was like in like middle school. So that's fascinating. And may I say, uh, congratulations on your transition. I hope you oh, are you. enjoying your life to the fullest possible extent now that you can be who you are. And I think that it's something I had never considered that there is a kind of typical masculine sneeze. Both my dad and I are cis men and we sneeze loud and annoyingly with a real, like a lot of vocal, like deep vocalizing. I, you know, what? one of my kids, John, is transgender. You know this, but probably not, some of the audience members don't know. And uh, she came out to us very young and transitioned in the very, basically the very beginning of elementary school. And it really is an education on uh, just the broad variety of gender expressions <laughs> that we have culturally. Yeah. When you, when you have a kid who is really trying to pay attention to those things for obvious reasons you're like oh geez yeah i guess that is gendered oh boy yeah i guess that is gendered (laughs) and i hadn't thought about sneezes being gendered but fair enough yeah no not wrong (laughs) and it speaks once again to your ethical integrity that you would acknowledge in this court of fake internet law that you in fact becca's entirely right that there is an, an element of I won't say affectation because that has a, a, a kind of negative connotation, but there is an element of, of reinvention in this sneeze that we heard. And with all of those congratulations and respectful gratitude, uh, I would offer that a dainty sneeze is not really your <laughs> sneeze. <laughs> you know, when I think of a dainty sneeze, this is what I think of. Chew. Chew. Excuse me. Like that. You may have the sneeze of like a cartoon elephant. <laughs> Who, me? me? Is, is that the sneeze of a cartoon elephant? Well, you you may also have the sneeze of, of a cartoon elephant, John. I haven't heard you sneeze in a while, uh, but I'm talking about the, the sneeze currently being litigated. It's a gale force sneeze. <laughs> All right. Huh. It definitely is. Uh, I mean, kudos and congrats. Definitely is a uh, feminine sneeze, for sure. Mission accomplished there. Question is, where do we go from here? Becca, do you have feelings about sneezes in general? Like, are, do you have a an adverse uh, reaction to all sneezers, or is it just Bridget's specific sneeze? I, I do think that all sneezes are terrible, but I acknowledge uh-huh. that, you know, you something you can't help. When I sneeze, I always apologize. To the point where recently a coworker um, asked me to stop apologizing every time I sneeze. Well, how do you do? You say I'm sorry, or do you say pardon me, or do you like write or do you write letters of apology to people? (laughs) I don't do that, but that's not a bad idea. I usually just as soon as I sneeze, I just say, "Oh, sorry." Uh huh. I could see how that could be annoying after three sneezes in a row. Like if you're doing it after each sneeze, like a chew, I'm sorry, a chew, I'm sorry, chew, I'm sorry. If I were in a puppet show with you, I might say, all right, that's enough. 
What's your sneeze like, Becca? Um, normal. Hmm. <laughs> 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 normal is a problematic term. I I think you appreciate. Because <laughs> I have it here in the notes that you are a non-binary person. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah. We should be approaching this for, with a more uh, fluidity. <laughs> <laughs> than pushing social norms of sneezes on everybody. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, because I don't like sneezes, I think I try to make my sneeze quiet. Like, I, I think I try to quiet my sneeze. What, my Bridget, do you, do, do you think that they succeed in doing that? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, sneezes don't really bother me unless you get, like, the multi-repetitive sneezes in a row and, well, someone's, like, talking. Right. And that drives me batty, but that drives everyone batty. So. Like like what Becca does with the apologies right after. Yeah, that actually yeah. probably bothers me more than their sneezes. Yeah, it's not the sneeze, it's the cover-up. It's like Watergate. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Watergate when that was seemed bad? Um, Bridget, can you do an impersonation of, uh, of Becca sneezing and try to be as inflammatory as possible in this? <laughs> Sorry. That was pretty accurate. May I hear it one more time, please? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I first of all, I appreciate the preparation. Like, you really had to build up to it. <laughs> now, Bridget, Becca submitted this evidence from your so-called mutual friend, Britt, complaining about your sneeze. Is there anyone else in your life who has complained about your sneeze? Um, my friend Warren, um, he, but he's kind of a curmudgeonly old man at the age of 26, so he kind of complains about everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> and also, I was his roommate in college, and I was horribly messy in college. So. Yeah, you, you may or may not know that Becca also sent an affidavit from Warren. <laughs> did you know this? Yes, I did. All right. This is what Warren sent in. I, Warren of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, swear that I have a friendship and former roommateship of nearly eight years with Bridget. Friendship of nearly six years with Becca. Personal knowledge of the facts and matters herein. I have witnessed Bridget spilling lit hookah ash onto a carpeted floor. I have fed Bridget's cats out of necessity due to her own negligence. I have done Bridget's dishwashing assigned to her. I have suffered at the hands of fruit flies after Bridget has not done her washing up. I have suffered from ants invading our pantry in response to poor cleanliness. I have been fed raw egg products in the guise of, quote, good cooking. I have unclogged tub drains stuck with Bridget's hair. I have cleaned up spills, scuffs, scrapes, and stains left in Bridget's wake especially alcohol that has become sticky. I've had to deal with Bridget's scattered clothing. I've had to deal with extremely long baths in an apartment with one bathroom. I testify that due to such derogatory conditions of roommateship, I fled from Wisconsin to Connecticut for two years in order to heal from the traumatizing and monstrous behavior. And when that distance wasn't enough, I moved overseas, etc., etc. I'm learning to heal, but it will take time. Well, Warren is very dramatic. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and Becca, it's an interesting affidavit that you would send in because not once did Warren mention Bridget's sneeze. What were you hoping to accomplish by making me read all these terrible things about your wife on a podcast? Um, I just wanted to set a tone for other monstrous behavior that <laughs> Bridget tends to engage in. 
John, it's not about whether you win in the courtroom. It's about whether you win in the court of public opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I, supp- I suppose you're right. Bridget, how do you respond to these accusations? Are any of these things still an issue in your life? Um, I mean, I would say, one, I'm not 20 anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's part of it. Like, um, And also, I was kind of a mess at that period of my life in many other ways. So I don't think that... <laughs> It's surprising that I left my apartment a mess as well. Can I tell you, Judge Hodgman, something that happened to me when I was in college once? Sure. My friend and roommate, Nathaniel, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the world's great guys, a golden-hearted man if ever there was one. WGG. uh, And I shared a small apartment in the beach flats of Santa Cruz, California, where I went to college. California being a state on the western coast of the United States. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. And Nathaniel, uh, because of my family situation, I had essentially been raising myself since age eight or so. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but Nathaniel had a very caring mother who who cared for him extensively and had uh, beautiful people skills and, and mixed life skills at the time. And one day I came home and we had a sort of small open living room that opened directly onto the kitchen. And I saw there was a pot on the on the stove and I walked over and the flame was on and there was a pot on top of the flame a mm-hmm. small sort of pasta pot mm-hmm. and there was just an egg inside just <laughs> no water <laughs> just an egg a whole egg <laughs> and in the 20 or so years since then Nathaniel and I have often discussed the question, uh, which was, was there ever water inside there? (laughs) (laughs) I immediately ran to Nathaniel, I think was maybe taking a shower or something, and said, Nathaniel, you need water to cook an egg. And if I remember correctly, his defense was there used to be water in there, but then he forgot that he put it on the stove. (laughs) So you're suggesting the water evaporated all out and left behind the super cooked egg? That's what he suggested at the time. Well, it's better than the raw eggs that uh, Bridget was feeding Warren. It was an eggnog. It wasn't that oh. weird. Yeah, no. She does this weird. with many of our loved ones, though. No one wants to have raw eggs, Bridget. We, but I like eggnog. <laughs> yeah, eggnog, you know, r- real traditional eggnog, you are using r- raw eggs. And they're, the risk of salmonella is present, but not not major. I'm not asking anyone else to go out and do it, but <laughs> usually, don't you usually make kind of a custard to make eggnog? Like oh, you would yeah, when maybe you're, you're making right. custard ice cream. I think you heat it a little. Um, there are two styles. One is cooked, one isn't. I was using Charles Mingus's eggnog recipe, which is notoriously alcoholic. I mean, if you're going nog, you're going to want to go Mingus, <laughs> unless you're going to use the Coltrane recipe. <laughs> I like uh, Kenny G's recipe. It's a little, oh, yeah. it's a little it goes down a little easier. Yeah. 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 It's basically meringue. <laughs> so, first of all, when you serve your raw egg, Charlie Mingus eggnog, are you getting consent from people before you, you give them yeah. this raw egg? You're telling them that that's what's in there, right? Yeah, they like watch me make it. Yeah, okay. So Warren was salmonelling himself as, of his own free will. Yeah, he's just curmudgeon Yeah. I always say, Becca, a lot of this letter goes against you because it's just character assassination. Well, I think part of it, too, is that as monstrous as Bridget can be, I love her. And I'm willing to live with 
a lot of things that she does that annoy me, but I can't with this sneeze. What other things annoy you? It's mostly things on this list. The raw egg thing really gets me every time. She'll make like all kinds of drinks with raw eggs and that it really upsets me. Um, you also know that she's making mead in your closet. She goes to extremes. She does. She absolutely does. Is she still dumping lit hookah ash all over the place? Don't tell me you've got a hookah in your condo. We, she does own a hookah, but I will not allow her to smoke in our home. Bridge, what are you smoking in that hookah? <laughs> Nothing illicit. Just like flavored vapor tobacco. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't use it very often, but it's nice sometimes. When you're smoking that hookah, are you on top of a big mushroom? <laughs> no, and I'm not with a caterpillar either. <laughs> and what are the monstrous things that you are saying that you will live with, Becca? If only Bridget would attempt to change her sneeze. She does get into these like kicks of things. Like right now she's really into the mead thing and it's all she wants to talk about. She is like on all these subreddits reading about mead and the meads other people make and she wants to tell me about them all the time. She does a similar thing with Dungeons and Dragons where she just will read all kinds of things and buy all kinds of books and want to talk to me about them even though she knows I'm not interested. (laughs) (laughs) Do you plead guilty to this, Bridget? Yeah. I got to tell you, Becca, you you got yourself a good one. (laughs) She's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, the things that you say that you're willing to put up with are aspects of Bridget's personality. They are what make her her. I don't agree that mead is a personality trait. No, but you know what I'm talking about. I do. No one just makes mead in their closet by accident. (laughs) So Becca has made some concessions to your life and personality and tastes, Bridget. You've already changed your sneeze once. Why not change it again? I don't know. It's mine. How does it make you feel when people, and especially your wife, say they can't stand your sneeze. I mean, it doesn't like really bother me. I'm like annoyed that they're annoyed, but it's nothing like deep and serious. So, okay. So you don't feel devalued or unloved in any way? No. I think it's just something they like to criticize me for. Becca, you're getting off easy here. (laughs) (laughs) Becca, you're getting off so easy here. There is no such thing as a gendered sneeze. I just don't, I can't I can't agree with that. Whoa. I mean, I don't I don't think sneezes are like inherently gendered, but I think that like there are lots of things that are like kind of fake gendered because society is weird. So like why can't that also if that can include like baby clothes, why can't that include a sneeze? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the Gender is incredibly performative, and as a non-binary person, that is often very perplexing to me. Mm -hmm. But this performance is particularly extreme. You really believe that it is a performance more than it is an involuntary uh, uh, action that has been slightly changed. I mean, I think that if she were to try to change it, that it would she would have to like think about it more because I think this has become her default sneeze. But I know that she can sneeze differently than that. I've heard it. Well, you've heard you've heard a different sneeze. Yes. There's another sneeze in her repertoire. <laughs> yes, there is. That's much more subdued. What does that one sound like? Um, just like. 
It's pretty normal. The current primary sneeze does sound a little bit like Mary Poppins trying to initiate a hurricane. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know what I need to do is, I, I, I think I've heard everything I need to hear. I would like to hear the sneeze one more time to blow me gale force into my chambers so that I can make this decision. Uh, Super producer Jennifer Marmer, hit me again one more time with the sneeze. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll be back in a moment with my decision. I'm already on the other side of the room. <laughs> Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Becca, how are you feeling about your chances in the case? I think I'm feeling pretty good. I, I don't feel like I came out of this looking particularly good. <laughs> so I do want to make it clear that I really love my wife. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what the judge has to say about that. <laughs> Bridget, how are you feeling about your chances? Um, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I mean, who's to say? But I, I think I make a strong case, so. Do you have an alternate sneeze ready? Um, I mean, I will say that, like, in public, I have listened to this feedback because obnoxious sneezes in public, I think, are distinct from sneezing in private. A more but, intimate sneeze. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, when I'm, like, in my house, I think I should be entitled to let my sneezes be. That's the principle <laughs> that this country was built upon. <laughs> We'll see what Judge Hodgman has to say about all this when we come back with his verdict in just a moment. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org. And they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, Boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made. Step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura, A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give 
your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and presents his verdict. So, according to the information presented to me, the ideal rulings in this case for Becca are for Bridget to sneeze normally. It's a loaded word in this context. (laughs) And Bridget's request is to be able to sneeze in peace, at least in her own house, as you say. I came into this, um, you know, obviously thinking as the ancient uh, Greeks did, that the sneeze is a completely involuntary, uncontrollable force of nature. It is like having a god or whatever speak through you plus spit. But obviously uh, my eyes have been opened, um, both by Bridget's uh, reveal that um, an adjustment from one kind of sneezing to Her perception of a more feminine sneezing was kind of part of her transition. And of course, we do alter our sneezes all the time. We do have our indoor sneezes and our outdoor sneezes and our polite sneezes and our cubicle sneezes and everything else. Because both of you were so game in imitating sneezes, I will tell you that I have a a sneeze that can be extremely disruptive, as my own wife has told me many a time. And it goes a little something like this. (laughs) but it also can go a little something like this you know when you swallow your sneezes which they tell you not to do but it's great it's great because no one looks too funny and you don't have to say I'm sorry Bridget by acknowledging that not only did you adjust your sneeze as part of becoming who you are but also that you are aware that you can adjust your sneeze for mixed company. You are acknowledging that it is very possible for this court to, I mean, physically possible. I don't know about legally just yet. Physically possible for you to change your sneeze, and therefore I may consider ordering you to do so. And yet I take issue with Becca's request for a ruling. If Becca had said, please ask my wife to stop scaring me with her loud sneezing, 
Please ask my wife to stop putting our four beloved cats in danger of jumping out of windows because of this startling loud sneeze. This court might be more receptive to the argument. But instead, they asked, order my wife to sneeze normal. If a, a, a cis man and cis woman, heterosexual couple, married or not, came to me, and the man said, tell my wife to, to, to sneeze normal with her body, <laughs> that man would be a, an unparalleled monster. Worse even than the Bridget described in Warren's letter. <laughs> Becca, I don't, I don't think you're a monster. But, you know, as a non-binary person who's married to a trans woman, you know, normal is a problematic term. It is enough to say to your loved one, hey, I don't appreciate it when you scare me. It would be the equivalent of saying, I get that we all need to fart, but not not while you're making dinner, please. <laughs> we have an obligation within intimate relationships to police our own smells and noises to some degree. I swallow my sneeze when my wife is around because I don't want her to yell at me. I let my sneeze out when no one is around because it feels fantastic. <laughs> I cannot order Bridget to change who she is. You wouldn't want Becca for me to order Bridget to change who she is. No, never. Right? To, to, to have her give up her mead and D&D &D and hookah obsessions. <laughs> No, I love when she gets into things. Yeah. She's wonderful. At one point, she got into changing her sneeze, and she took a little bit of a wrong turn. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still who she is. She still demands attention with that sneeze. <laughs> she wants the world to know she's sneezing. And there is nothing abnormal about Bridget or Becca or Jesse or super producer Jennifer Marmer. There, I have some issues for sure. Everyone knows this, but you know what I'm saying. She is who she is. And this sneeze, for better and mainly worse, part of the deal. <laughs> I will not order you, Bridget, to change your sneeze, but I will advise you that it could use some workshopping. <laughs> <laughs> but if this is your sneeze, I am not the one to question it. Go and be the person that you are, of course. And, and maybe out of consideration, not surrender, but out of consideration to Becca, maybe take it down a thousand when they're around. <laughs> Don't scare them. This is not an order to change yourself, but in order to be thoughtful, obviously, as you obviously are. Some people don't want to eat those raw eggs, no matter what Charlie Mingus told them to do. But as it is, the sneeze, legally speaking, is an aspect of uh, Bridget's personhood and body. And I, I cannot interfere. I find in Bridget's favor, this is the sound of a gavel. <laughs> Judge John Hodgman rules, that is all.
Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Becca, how are you feeling about this decision? I, I think I understand where the judge is coming from. Um, I, I shouldn't have used the word normal. Um, I appreciate that he emphasized how outrageous the sneeze was. Um, so maybe <laughs> hearing it from such authority will help Bridget to rethink this particular sneeze. Bridget, how are you feeling? Are there changes in your future? Um, I mean, I think that's something I'm willing to explore. But, um, yeah, I'm happy. I, it turned out more or less how I wanted it to, to be honest. So I'm very happy about that. Very fair. I wish you good luck in uh, all your sneasel explorations. <laughs> and in your never-ending battle against sneeze hegemony. <laughs> Becca, Bridget, thank you for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Another Judge John Hodgman case is in the books. Before we dispense some swift justice, we want to thank Michael Haas for naming this week's episode Gesundheit. It's a good name. I, that was a, a good one. I like good one, particularly Haas. They're good always one. good. They're yeah. always good. Everyone, everyone sends in. There are a lot of good ones this time, but that is, I like it. If you'd like to name a future episode, just like Michael did, like Judge John Hodgman on Facebook. We put out our calls for submissions there. You can follow John and myself on Twitter, at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. Hashtag your Judge John Hodgman tweets, hashtag JJHO. And check out the Maximum Fun subreddit to discuss the episode at MaximumFun.reddit.com. I always enjoy... Uh, both of those. I, I always like the, the comments in the Reddit, and I, I always check out that hashtag JJHO. I always appreciate the cool stuff that people have to say. And we are on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman. That I don't like. No, I do like that. Oh. I like that too. I just, <laughs> you got me. Oh, you stirred me right up there. Okay. He's trying to mix things up a little, you know? Yeah. Make sure to follow us there for evidence and other fun stuff. This week's episode recorded by our friend Paul Ruest at Argo Studios in New York City. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. She was the also the engineer here in Los Angeles. John, engineering himself in Brooklyn, New York. Barely. Here is our swift justice question. Sarah says, My husband believes the correct way to eat a peanut butter sandwich is, commence capital letters, with butter in addition to the peanut butter. Whoa. Whoa. That is what... The middle schoolers in my life call a weird flex. <laughs> I think it's a big move to add table butter, regular butter, dairy butter to a peanut butter sandwich. Wow. I think a weird flex would be like if you did that and then you were like, peanut butter sandwiches? Yeah, I eat those with peanut butter and butter. Sure. I'm sure I used it wrong, but you understand what I'm saying. It's a provocative yeah. thing to do. It's provocative. Sarah's husband is being provocative and not just feeling provocative, thought provocative. Like I'm thinking about it. It seems like it would be too rich to me for my palate. I think you're already got some heavy fat flavor going on with that peanut butter. I'm, not sure that that butter is going to add or detract to it, but I'll tell you something. And by the way, I was thinking about trying it, but I'm, I will not torture the folks with misophonia in the audience from listening to me eat this on mic. 
I guess I can say I'm not trying it also because I don't want to do it. Sounds gross. But in a world in which peanut butter and banana sandwiches are commonplace, in a world in which peanut butter and pickle sandwiches exist, and I'll tell you something, peanut butter on a cracker with pickle and a little sriracha, that came from a newspaper somewhere. It was a really good snack. I like it. You know, I just don't think that any court could deny this. Peanut butter sandwiches, I think, are really, really personal. They are a childhood food. And they are deeply satisfying on a, on a deep level. And uh, I'm not going to kink shame Sarah's husband's sandwich. So go for it. Jesse Thorne, you think I should rule against this sandwich or you think I'm right? My father was born and largely raised in Kansas City, Missouri. And my father's parents were from Iola, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And environs, small town in Kansas. And... I learned in my childhood the broad variety of foods that could be buttered. (laughs) I see buttering the not necessary to butter as part of my cultural heritage. Yeah. And would never stand against it in any context. How can you know if you don't try? Maybe I'll give it a try tonight. I remember being 12 years old and seeing my mom uh, salt her salad and think... That's weird. There's already salad dressing on that salad. Then I salted a salad and said to myself, huh, that made that salad taste better. So never again will I judge the condiments others use. All right. There's no such thing as normal when it comes to sneezes or sandwiches. And that's Swift Justice. That's it for this week's episode. You can submit your cases at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO or email Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. No case is too small. We look at them all. We're also going to be in Los Angeles on June 6th. Don't forget, buy your tickets now. You can find the link at MaximumFun.org. We'll talk to you next time on Judge John Hodgman. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.